Life in our modern age comes at you pretty fast, which makes our time away especially valuable. When I take time to relax, I like to get far from my everyday life, immerse myself in natural beauty, and have unique experiences. But you don't have to leave the U.S. to experience tropical rainforests and islands filled with adventure, warm culture, and national treasures. Visit Puerto Rico, an island with a vibrant spirit that will sweep you away. Because when you visit, you don't become part of the island, it becomes part of you. In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. Puerto Rico, where visits end, but stories last forever. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. Today's episode is brought to you by West Holm. We all know from home cooks to restaurant chefs to eating enthusiasts that the quality of your ingredients makes all the difference, especially when it comes to meat. West Holm, which is based in Queensland in the Northern Territory, Australia, is working with the land to create nature-led Australian Wagyu. They steward 16 million acres of rangeland, guided by the natural ecosystem where their cattle thrive. The result is high-quality Wagyu beef that reflects the terroir of Northern Australia and a flavor suited to complement any cuisine. West Holm believes that when nature leads, flavor follows. Learn more at westholm.com slash savor. That's W-E-S-T-H-O-L-M-E dot com slash saver. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Before AI can help your business predict demand, accelerate growth, inform decisions, automate tasks, reveal insights, generate content, you have to trust it. Introducing WatsonX Governance. Helping you govern any AI as data, models, and policies change so you can scale it responsibly. Let's create AI that begins with trust with Watson X Governance. Learn more at ibm.com slash governance. IBM. Let's create. Hello and welcome to Savor, a production of iHeartRadio. I'm Annie Reese. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today we're talking about truffles. Not the chocolate. No, no, the, the fungus. But I... I would put money on there is a chocolate truffle with fungus truffle, truffle in, in it? the center. Oh, I believe it. I Well, hopefully not just like a chunk of it because that would be a very expensive truffle. But maybe hopefully. I don't know. I guess <laughs> y'all do what you want to um, with your truffles and your truffles. True. Truffles and truffles. <laughs> that That's a show right there. I don't know what it is yet, but that's a show. I'll think about it. Okay. Um, I was trying to remember if I've ever had truffles. I think – didn't we have them – when we were at Disney Food and Wine, I think we had, like, something with truffles in it. I think there was a pastry, maybe, like, a, a pastry with escargot filling and maybe some truffle butter yeah, involved. I, think I don't so. know why that was a very specific memory for me. I'm like, oh, yes, four years ago, this thing that we ate at Disney, I definitely remember. Well, it was quite the, that was the halfway point. So I think that was when we were having the moment of... <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I was I was so happy because I had like a glass of Vive Clicquot mm-hmm. and uh, and I had my stupid sun hat. Yes, and I had embarrassed myself speaking French to some poor French kid at Epcot. Yeah. 
And it was a wonderful time. It, was, it really was. And then I ate this beautiful pastry, and I was like, all is good with the world. Yes. It was, the sun was shining. <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> wonderful. Uh-huh. And then we were also talking about truffle fries, which I have had. Oh, yeah. I love a truffle fry. Yes. Um, apparently, truffle oil is slightly um, contentious. I would say perhaps more than slightly, uh, <laughs> perhaps, um, and we will get into that. And I did want to give a quick shout out to our old friends at a local company, Beautiful Briny Sea. They have truffle sea salt. Yes, they have a number of excellent sea salt blends, um, yes. but their truffle salt is probably my favorite because it just adds this beautiful savory kick to things, and oh, it's really good. Yeah, it, it was definitely my favorite, I think, and it I ran out of it first, and I had more of it than any other. <laughs> she gave us; she was very kind, the owner, and she gave us a bunch of samples. Yeah, of the types of salts and sugars that they have. Yeah, and by samples, we mean like occasionally full. Uh, yeah, like a tub packages of them. Mm-hmm. But anyway, uh, delicious. Yes. Yeah. Oh, check check them out if you ever have a chance to. I think that they're carried um, by William Sonoma. Yes, now, so. definitely. Their sugar is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amy Sedaris involved in that. Right. Oh, yeah. those sprinkles that she makes. Oh, okay. All right. Yes. All right. All right. We're getting we're getting away from ourselves. <laughs> yes. All right. Okay. Don't let me just start talking about Amy Sedaris because I will. Oh, I w- okay. Later. I want to be part of that. <laughs> but all right. For now, let's get to our question. Truffles. What are they? Well, truffles are a cousin of mushrooms that grow underground instead of above ground. And thus, instead of growing a a fruit with a wide cap so that they can release their spores out into the air, they fold in on themselves and develop spores inside those inner folds. They they wind up looking like a a tuber, sort of potato-y. One genus of truffles is called tuber. Oh. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And truffles' flavors can vary depending on the species and the growth conditions, of course, but um, they tend to be funky and earthy and savory. Researchers have found at least 200 aroma compounds in truffles and at least 37 that, like, directly contribute to humans' perception of specifically white truffles' characteristic flavors. Though the one, the one compound that all truffles seem to have in common is dimethyl sulfide, which is this, like, funky, earthy, rotten cabbage, ripe cheese, human fart aroma compound. So, uh... It's interesting. That says that says something about humanity. I'm not sure what. Oh, <laughs> uh, I love humans. Um, all right, but yeah, yeah. Uh, th- those aromas are not just to remind us of farts. They're they're an evolutionary reproduction mechanism because truffles depend on animals like burrowing rodents to eat their fruit and poop their spores in a new location. And since truffles grow underground, that strong scent draws those animals to them. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, and those uh, white truffles that I mentioned have been, in European cuisine anyway, the most prized. The most prized variety of European truffles have traditionally been found in smallish regions of France, Spain, Italy, and Croatia. But they can be grown elsewhere, and so they are, because you can make some good money off of them. Mm-hmm. Um, Australia and New Zealand, North America, Israel and Morocco, and Argentina and Chile. These days, China is a big player in the market with millions of acres of truffles, although, according to what I read, the taste isn't as desirable. Apparently, they're less flavorful than some European truffles, but do resemble them in color and so are sometimes fraudulently sold as European truffles, uh, sometimes even with synthetic flavoring added. Indeed. Okay, so 
part of why truffles are so expensive, because they are very expensive. Yeah. If you didn't know, mm-hmm. truffles are pricey. They can be, yes. Um, part of that is because they are more choosy than other mushrooms about where they'll grow. And they are symbiotic fungi. Um, they'll only grow in unison with the roots of certain types of trees and shrubs. Um, in terms of the European types, that's like a like like good sturdy, temperate trees like uh, pines, beeches, poplars, oaks, hazels, stuff like that. And how they work is the fungus will grow these long filaments around like the long fingers of tree roots. And uh, they'll steal sugars from the tree's roots and in return provide nutrients into the soil that the tree can use. So it's it's a win-win situation. And so that means that you can't just grow truffles the way that you can grow other macro fungi like mushrooms, like in trays of substrate in big vertical indoor farms. You have to grow the trees. Right. And then you can introduce the fungus, and then you just sort of hope that it works. Right. Uh Uh-huh. And it's all underground, so you're sort of— Trees are like, no. (laughs) (laughs) There are hundreds of species of truffles, though. Oh, yeah. Um, The three main ones that you'll find in European cuisines in descending order of strength, of flavor, and therefore of expense are white truffles, which are pale all the way through— Black truffles, which are dark all the way through, and summer truffles, which have a, a dark skin but a lighter interior and are harvested in the summer, as opposed to white and black truffles, which are harvested in the fall and winter. Ah. Or winter and early spring, rather. Yes. Anyway, all of these are in the genus Tuber. But there are also desert truffles, which prefer arid growing conditions and appear throughout appropriate regions of Europe, Africa, and Asia. The word truffles may come from the Arabic Terfas, which is a term for these desert species, and also where one of their genus names stems from. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. What about the nutrition? Well, you're probably not eating enough truffles for them to really be nutritive one way or another. <laughs> Unless you're like an evil, super evil rich villain or something. <laughs> Just like caviar and truffles all the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, and washing it all down with like with like super rare brandy or something exactly. like that. This is an extremely European supervillain that we've created. I like it. Mm-hmm. Um, but they they do pack a pretty good nutritive punch. Um, lots of vitamins and minerals, fiber and protein, bunch of other good stuff. And there's so much research going into the medical functions of compounds found in mushrooms and truffles these days, as you may have noticed by the internet trying to sell you mushroom tea all the heckin' oh, time. Yeah. Gosh. That's right. Anyway, yeah, uh, uh, antioxidants, antimicrobials, immunomodulating compounds, anti-tumor stuff, anti-inflammatories. More research is needed. Mm-hmm. Human bodies are complicated. Always check with a doctor before trying to intake uh, medicinal quantities of anything. Yes, the saver slogan. Yes. <laughs> we <laughs> need to get it printed somewhere. <laughs> I don't know why or how, but we'll do it. <laughs> T-shirt idea. <laughs> yes. All right, numbers. We do have some. In 1999, the then largest truffle on record was discovered in Croatia, weighing 13.1 kilos. The owner named it Millennium <laughs> and had a duplicate bronze cast made. And if you're wondering... Why I didn't talk about the current record holders because I wanted to talk about that one. <laughs> oh, wow. That's beautiful. Millennium. <laughs> you know, it was 99, the whole— That's true. That's true. <laughs> Got to name your truffle like it's 1999. <laughs> hmm <laughs> These days, there are over 200 truffle orchards in the United States with Oregon as the top producer. There's also something called the North American 
truffling society. The society has tips on all kinds of things, including the training of truffle dogs. Oh, every day they're truffling. Exactly. There are so many, like, pop culture references. It's the truffle (laughs) shuffle. I keep thinking about Knives Out when he says truffle pigs, and I was so proud that I knew what that was. (laughs) Because at one time I wouldn't have. That is no slight on anyone else. But at one time I would not have known what that joke meant. Sure. I mean, oh, the, the trouble with truffles? Oh, there you go. This is part of my title process. (laughs) I like that peek behind the curtain. Thank you, Annie. (laughs) You're welcome. And then giggling, interspersed. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. In our pretty much silent office. That's very important, yeah. Oh, yeah. If I'm not freaking out our coworkers by laughing (laughs) raucously to myself at least once a day, I feel like I'm doing it wrong. I agree. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The American South actually has our own species of truffle, the pecan truffle which grows alongside pecan trees. Mm-hmm. Um, researchers are looking into helping farmers cultivate it as a, you know, extra source of money. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. Australia is also getting in on the game. Uh, apparently their black truffles go over real well in France. Oh, well, good for them because France seems to be a little choosy. They are very particular. Yes. Yes, and we do have some more on that in a we minute. We do. Uh, within the next decade, the international truffle market is anticipated to reach $6 billion. One reason for Ooh. this is, yes, truffles are expensive. They can be really, really expensive. We're talking $3,000 a pound for white truffles from the Italian Piedmont or $900 for southwestern France's black truffles, the so-called black diamonds. <laughs> they rank as one of the world's most expensive foods. Some restaurants keep their supply of truffles in safes. So why is that? Well, for one, their numbers are much lower today than they once were, thanks to things like climate change. We're talking an annual harvest of about 2,000 tons to 20 tons over the span of about a century. Like, that massive drop. Yeah, yeah. Um, And the thing is, is that in regions of Europe where truffles grow, um, summers are getting drier. And these tuber species like it pretty damp. Yeah, and they don't store super well. The aroma, which is... A pretty important part of the experience. Sometimes it's gone within a week. Whew. This relative rarity and high price means that truffles are frequently the target of food heist. Oh, no. Oh, no, indeed. <laughs> a couple of years back in 2012, criminals stole $60,000 worth of product from one of the Italian warehouses of the world's largest truffle purveyor. Chinese truffles, which run about $20 to $30 a pound, yes, are sometimes passed off as their far more expensive European counterparts. Like, it's estimated 30% of the premium truffle market contains these truffles. Oh. Yeah, 30%. And then, okay. There's also fake truffle oil from Ed Levine over at Serious Eats. Comparing truffle oil to real truffles is like comparing sniffing dirty underwear to having sex. And I had like 10 quotes I could have chosen from that were almost (laughs) equally (laughs) as angry at truffle oil. Wow. Mm -hmm. Um, Gordon Ramsay, uh, Anthony Bourdain. No, they don't. Do not not truck with it? No. Don't don't approve. Might as well not even have it. Like, you are fired from (laughs) any cooking at all. Get out. (laughs) It's like bringing in, like, you need to bring in an exorcist if you use truffle oil. People have opinions about it. I love truffle oil. (laughs) I I feel like I do, too. I don't, I certainly don't have any negative opinions about it. Well, that's just fine. I'm, (laughs) I, 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 maybe I just haven't, you know, Maybe I'm wrong, mm-hmm. and I just haven't had access to the 
truffle substance to Mm -hmm. make myself right. Yeah, maybe it's that underdeveloped palate thing. Yeah. We haven't had a lot of truffles. True. True. (laughs) In France, truffle season means increased police roadblocks. Oh, wow. Yeah, stopping cars (laughs) with suspicious packages in them. Um, (laughs) Truffle hunters keep their hunting ground secret, passing down the location to the next generation. A shortage of French truffles resulted in a spree of crime around truffles, armed robberies, and raids. Truffle trees and truffle dogs were stolen, and one dog was ransomed for one million Italian lire. A truffle producer shot an unarmed man attempting to steal his truffles, and he was eventually sentenced to eight years in prison for murder. Wow. Yeah, it's serious. It is serious. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Huh. Huh, indeed. We're going to get back to the truffle dogs a little bit towards the end. Um, Josh Ozersky, the late food writer, wrote of the smell of truffles as, quote, a combination of newly plowed soil, fall rain, burrowing earthworms, and the pungent memory of lost youth and old love affairs. Wow. I know. I love how it's, you know, soil, earthworms, lost youth in love affairs. <laughs> Perfect. After trying black travels for the first time, author Paula Wolfert described them, quote, like earth and sky and sea. I felt at one with nature that my mouth was filled with the taste of the earth. There was a ripeness, a naughtiness, something beyond description. It was utter luxury and earthiness combined. Wow. We're missing out. I apparently... Also, like, this is a lot to say about a fungus, and I, I love it. <laughs> I know. I love I love how she describes it as utter luxury and earthiness. Because it is, it is just a fungus that comes from the ground. That comes from the ground. You dig it up. You, you know, get something that can smell it. You dig it up. Mm-hmm. And then it's worth $3,000 a pound, maybe. Yeah. Like, that's wild. It is very wild. And the history is a little wild, too. It is, and we will get into that right after we get back from a quick break for a word from our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Discover Puerto Rico. We've talked in a bunch of different episodes about facets of Puerto Rican cuisine, um, like the dish mofongo, made of savory, deep-fried mashed plantains studded with some kind of tasty protein, and the creation of the cool, creamy pina colada. But there is so much more there. Um, I've actually never been. You have a tiny bit of experience, don't you? Yes. Unfortunately, it was a very tiny bit of experience. (laughs) I was there for about a day. I'm kicking myself for that now. I remember having delicious rums, delicious drinks. But I want to go back because, yeah, so many episodes we do on here, when we're talking about food from Puerto Rico, I want that. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) it sounds amazing. We're trying to get a saver team trip yeah. together. Oh, absolutely. Well, I mean, we're, we're trying to get a trip to a lot of places, but this is, yeah. this is really top of the list. Even putting together this ad read made me hungry. I was like, oh, oh, I want to try those things. Yeah, as we've talked about before, there are influences there from African and Spanish and native Taino foodways. The culinary scene sounds amazing, and we want to go, and I'm hungry. No passport is required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. You can learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. Today's episode is brought to you by Westholm. I'm a person who doesn't really cook with a lot of meat, to be honest, because when I do, I want it to be special. I'm the same, and I do love sharing that food with people. And I have to say, we received some product, some steak, (laughs) Mm -hmm. and I am very eager to share it with my friends. 
Yeah, uh, West Holmes sent us uh, a few of their products, and they included these gorgeous, gigantic tomahawk steaks that I, like, opened the box and immediately sent a picture to my best grilling friend, like, hang out soon. Yes, I did too. (laughs) Westholm offers these beautifully marbled steaks because they have 16 million acres of rangeland across the northeast corner of Australia, from Brisbane to Darwin. They use a nature-led approach with the belief that if they balance the needs of their cattle with the needs of their environment, both can thrive. Their cattle graze on native grasses like Mitchell grass, which is found only in Australia, and roam wild, foraging at will for the first two to three years of their lives. The result is Wagyu beef that reflects the terroir of northern Australia and a quality that would complement whatever you're into cooking right now. Westholm believes that when nature leads, flavor follows. Learn more at westholm.com slash savor. That's W-E-S-T-H-O-L-M-E dot com slash savor. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride in the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. During the Right Rug Flooring Hello Summer Sale, you'll find savings throughout the store, all backed by the right price guarantee, including carpet with a lifetime stain warranty, only $159 installed with pad. That's right, $159 includes expert installation as soon as tomorrow. Visit rightrug.com, R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com to find a showroom near you or schedule a free in-home shopping appointment. Say hello to summer and save. Right Rug Flooring, right here, right now. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. So it shouldn't come as a surprise. Truffles have been around a long time. Uh, yeah, like the actual organism has been around since like the Jurassic or Triassic. Yeah. Um, um, and there's evidence that folks in North Africa and the Middle East have been eating them since prehistoric times. Throughout Africa, people have eaten them or used them as medicine for thousands of years at least. Yes, an ancient nomadic group originating in what is now Syria, the Amorites, shocked the sensibilities of settled Mesopotamians when they dug up and devoured truffles. Among other things, they did a lot of other things that were shocking to the Mesopotamians, but one was... Truffles. They, yes, they ate these things on the ground. <laughs> Once this group, the Amorites, found a place to settle for themselves during the Middle Bronze Age, um, a clay tablet from this period recounts an argument between the king and the governor of the truffle-producing district, accusing the governor of hoarding the good truffles for himself <laughs> and sending the king the less desirable ones. Oh. The governor defended that he only sit along what the harvester sent him. The truffles in question were, yes, desert truffles, and this was a variety important in Middle Eastern history. Mentions of them appeared in the 4th century Talmud, And 11th and 12th century physicians recommended them for all kinds of things, from vomiting to weakness. Also, one dude, if I remember correctly, recommended not eating them. Oh. Because it would make you—it would lessen your lifespan. Really? It would decrease your longevity. Okay. Yes, yes, because I misread it. Mixed bag. All right. Yeah, exactly. Um, And we do have the quote. From the, uh, so this is from the governor. Of that province? Of the province. And this was his response to the king. And this was like 
4,000 years ago. Yes, yes. <laughs> All right, so... Ever since I reached Sagaratam five days ago, I have continuously dispatched truffles to my lord. But my lord wrote to me, you have sent me bad truffles. But my lord ought not to condemn me with regards to the truffles. I have sent my lord what they picked for me. With regards to the truffles is a nice touch. <laughs> yeah. Because it implies, it implies there are other that things. there are other criticisms that could be. Flob, I love that so much. <laughs> I'm gonna the next time I'm defending myself, yes. I'm gonna throw in yes. like like man, like don't be down on me with regards to the truffles. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> now there's I've other thing. <laughs> never been dishonest to you with regards to the truffles. Yes. It's such a great little <laughs> disclaimer. So good. Ancient oh. Romans picked up the eating of truffles from the Etruscans, which was a civilization of ancient Italy. And Pliny mentioned them in the first century CE, describing his belief that they were a random product of elemental earth. And this is actually a recurring theme of people trying to figure out where yeah, these wh- came what, from. What, what is this? It doesn't grow a plant like other plants. Exactly. But it's edible. Much confusion. But from the ground. Tastes like ground. (laughs) Weird. (laughs) Pliny had a whole story to back up his idea about a dude who bit into a truffle and almost lost a tooth on a coin hidden inside. I think I know what he was trying to say, but I do feel like there's some historical... Shenanigans? Like, I'm not picking up on something he's putting down. (laughs) But anyway, he did write about that. Around the same time, the philosopher Plutarch wrote of his belief that truffles were produced when a bolt of lightning struck a combo of water and earth. And there you go. Oh. Truffle. There you go. Mm -hmm. Ancient Romans were big fans, and 3rd century CE Emperor Marcus Aurelius Antonius really went all in on them at one of his feasts, serving truffles soaked with cow's udders and alongside cinnamon-flavored peacock tongues and flamingo brains. That is specific. It is very specific. Mm -hmm. Okay. Popular Roman recipes at the time called for skewered truffles to be grilled in fat or boiled in sauces or wrapped in fat and then fire-grilled. Oh, that all sounds good. my gosh. Yes. I want that right now. I don't even know what I want. I don't, it's, This is like watching Iron Chef. Like, I'm like, I have no idea what that food is, but I want to eat it so much. Yeah, I agree. Mm -hmm. Okay. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, uh, these Roman um, truffles and also Greek truffles around the same time would have been imported from North Africa. So these all would have been probably the desert species. Right, exactly. Mm -hmm. Records suggest ancient pharaohs enjoyed truffles as well. Apparently, apparently, a poem about truffles has been found in Egyptian temples. Translating to something to the extent of, without leaves, without buds, without flowers, yet they form fruit. As a food, as a tonic, as a medicine, the entire creation is precious. Oh, that's lovely. Yes. I love food poetry. Right. Some of my favorite poetry. That whole thing in Japan where they write the haikus about the sea cucumbers. (laughs) How could this exist and I should be so lucky to partake in it? Ugh. (laughs) <laughs> I've never read any of those. Oh, cool. you have got to. <laughs> Duly noted. Will do. Throughout history, truffles have been viewed as an aphrodisiac. Oh, yeah, yeah. Going back to those original oh, truffles yes. that I was talking about. Yes. Yes. The and whole I, time. I know. I know. We say that about literally almost every <laughs> food but lettuce. Everything but lettuce. But this 
truffles really, really were. Uh-huh. The physician Gallen wrote of them, the truffle is very nourishing and causes general excitation conducive to <laughs> sensual pleasure. <laughs> Over in ancient Greece, Sorry. Aristotle and Pythagoras wrote about the truffle's aphrodisiac properties. I mean, it got to the point the church was like, nah. Yeah. Yes, because truffles weren't as popular in Europe during medieval times when the theory of the humors advised avoiding foods grown from the ground. But also, yes, the church did not like this reputation that they had for being an aphrodisiac, which played into the rebranding of truffles as a food for peasants and witches. Okay. And witches, possibly in their love potions. Oh. Uh Oh. Trixie witches. So Trixie. Truffles started making a comeback, though, in Europe in the 14th century with the adoption of the black truffle by the aristocracy. And in the 15th century, Italian nobles and diplomats would exchange gifts of white truffles. There's an entire book written about this. It was sort of a way of communicating, uh, I know what's up with these underground things, and I know they spoil quickly, so I took the time, effort, money to get it to you. Also, they were kind of particular of a place, so it's sort of similar to when you go visit someone and they're like, Okay, here's— Get me a Tokyo banana. Exactly. Yeah. Very much like that. Um, And also now you owe me a favor because I did all these things. Oh. Or, like, get me a pineapple. Like, go to Maui, get me a pineapple. Right. Yeah. Same kind of thing. Hmm. During the 18th century, French author Marquis de Sade used truffles on his victims. His name is the source of sadism, particularly in the sexual context. I'd never heard of this guy. I learned so much. Really? I learned— Gosh. So much. I was like, food show, food show, food show. <laughs> Do not include this. Oh, there's there's a whole film that they, they, they made about him a bunch of years back. Gosh, I feel very old thinking about how long ago that came out. But uh, but Jeffrey Rush played him. It's, it's super interesting. Oh, okay. Further yeah. research. Mm-hmm. Uh, his erotic works were banned in France until 1957. <laughs> I will repeat, banned in France. Until 1957. Uh, very contentious dude. Yes. Uh, Although his uh, ancestors seem to be totally riding on the, on the wave of, of him and are trying to bring him back. Into, oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. If you're interested, fascinating stuff. <laughs> um, <laughs> Jean-Arthelme Brillat Savarin wrote of truffles, Whoever says truffle pronounces a great word which awakens erotic and gourmand ideas, both in the sex dressed in petticoats and the bearded portion of humanity. Okay. Uh, Interesting way of describing humanity. Just, yeah. <laughs> of, of the two sexes. Yeah, yes, sure. Sure. Uh, I, I, I wish that he could see modern drag shows. Oh, my gosh. He'd be like, Bah, braid, explode. I want that, too. Anyway. I want it too. In his 1841 book, Memorials of Gormandizing, great name, William Makepeace Thackeray wrote, Presently, we were aware of an odor gradually coming towards us, something musky, fiery, savory, mysterious, a hot, drowsy smell that lulls the senses and yet inflames them. The truffles were coming. <laughs> There's so many good quotes about this. This is a much better story than winter is coming. Like, this is... <laughs> That is true. That is true. I mean, I I still want to do, I have an idea for um, a Winter Soldier is Coming costume Oh, poem, yeah. But I need somebody to dress as Jon Snow and, like, herald my arrival. Oh. Or something like that. Uh-huh, like, sure, yeah, you yeah. Know, I'm workshopping it, but it, the idea is there. 
And we have another quote. Alexandre Dumas uh, wrote about truffles in his 1871 work, Grand Dictionnaire de Cuisine. He wrote, The truffle is not a positive aphrodisiac, but on occasion it can make women more loving and men more lovable. <laughs> this is powerful stuff. It is, but they were also relatively common at the time. Like, uh, like apparently black truffles were the posh thing to stuff your Christmas turkey with in France around the turn of the 20th century. Whoa. Whoa. That seems like a really powerful turkey. That does. But oh, jeez. Sure. You're like battling the sleepiness and the aphrodisiac <laughs> thing. In 1929, Italian hotel owner Giacomo Mora changed the truffle world with an interesting marketing campaign. He was the founder of the first company to market white truffles commercially, Tartuffi Mora. And this is the one I mentioned earlier. This is the largest purveyor of these types of truffles. His 1949 Best Truffle of the Year ad campaign involved sending the so-called best truffle to celebrities, athletes, and politicians, including Rita Hayworth, Winston Churchill, Harry Truman, Joe DiMaggio, President Dwight Eisenhower, and Marilyn Monroe, who raved in a letter to Mora, I have never tasted anything so tasty and exciting. About a decade after the campaign, Moore's company was shipping hundreds of thousands of boxes to high-end restaurants around the world. Wow. And to diplomats, yes. Mm -hmm. Simultaneous with this campaign was something that came to be known in that region as Truffle Fair, where you might find a tasting of truffles paired with wines of the region. It disappeared during World War II, but came back at the war's end to huge oh, success. I can see why. That's another thing that I want. Yes, truffles and wine pairing. Right. It was another way of huh. saying, like, look what our region has to offer, these mm -hmm. wines and yeah. truffles. Mm -hmm. huh. In the 1970s, some American producers started trying their hands at truffles, but they didn't have much success. Yeah, truffle science was just starting to advance at that time. Uh, like scientists working with the French National Agricultural Research Institute were sussing out how to use truffle spores to inoculate the roots of tree saplings, uh, making it more likely that the grown tree would harbor truffles. Mm -hmm. In the 80s and 90s, Chinese truffles began being sold in mass in European markets, though not all European markets. Apparently, they were banned in Italy, like at least for a time. Like, none of those. Yes. Out. <laughs> Only the ones that you can get at Truffle Fair. Mm-hmm. Uh, research into creating an electronic system for sniffing out truffles goes back to at least 1988. And, fascinatingly to me, although occasional results have been published, it doesn't look like there are any, like, products on the market that do this, even to this day. Interesting. Did you see the uh, the news article about the, the police have that ultra-sniffer thing now, and it looks so silly. <laughs> it looks like you put a telescope on your nose. No, I haven't. What? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so I wonder if maybe we're getting closer and closer to this. <laughs> Although you will look very silly, but if there are truffles at the end. Maybe it's worth it. Maybe it's worth it. Maybe someone has invented a, a very accurate truffle sniffer, but they're keeping it to themselves. That would not surprise me at all. Not at all. Mm -mm. Mm -hmm. In fact, that just seems to make sense. <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't be until the 2000s that some of the American efforts started to pay off, which is right around the time Oprah fell in love with truffles in 2008 and fell in love, was telling everybody about it. How? Oh. Yeah. I missed that, but cool. <laughs> I, I didn't, didn't come across my radar, but I appreciated it. <laughs> <laughs> Also in 2008, French researchers 
freaked right the heck out when they found a species of those Chinese truffles growing in Europe. They were afraid that these Chinese truffles would compete for resources with native species and even edge them out over time. They even expressed concern that, like, malagents might introduce Chinese truffles on purpose in order to ruin their market. (laughs) The letter that they published in the journal New Phytologist, which is my new favorite journal title, the letter was titled, Is the Paragord Black Truffle Threatened by an Invasive Species? We dreaded it, and it has happened! Exclamation point! That was the title? That's the title. <laughs> I mean, I, I know it's a serious thing. I just not yeah, used to titles. I think it's the only time I've ever seen a research paper, or not a research paper, it's a letter, mm-hmm. but with an exclamation point in the title, and thus I am... This was in 2008. Yeah. Gosh, I love it. Yeah. Or, I mean, I'm sorry. I mean, I, I, hope, right. I hope that it's not an invasive species, and certainly not that it's being introduced on purpose. That would be terrible. Intrigue. But, right? Intrigue, yes. Well, hmm. in 2010, scientists mapped out the genome of the pedagogue black truffle. Nine of the 13,000 proteins contribute to the truffle's smell, including a steroidal pheromone found in the saliva of male pigs and drostenone. This is why female pigs are sometimes used to hunt truffles. But the thing is... <laughs> It's hard to stop the pigs from eating the truffles when they find them. <laughs> so dogs are typically preferred. Also, dogs are a little more subtle than pigs. Someone yeah. sees a pig in your car. Yeah, they're pretty much like, oh, you're going truffle hunting. Exactly. Mm-hmm. However, these trained dogs can cost over $5,000. Uh, that same pheromone, by the way, is found in a human male's underarm sweat. Right. And... Okay, so so re- research shows that um, that the female pigs are not just looking for that pheromone. Like, like they tested this using real truffles and synthetic truffle scent, and like just the pheromone. And those tests found that pigs will go for real or synthetic truffle smells, but will ignore just the pheromone. Mm-hmm. But like maybe this connection to dude sweat. Is part of why truffles have been considered an aphrodisiac? Yeah. There's definitely, I found a research paper that was looking into specifically humans. Why have we thought they're aphrodisiacs for so long? Why were people so certain about it? There was a whole paper. It was pretty much, yeah, look at all these pheromones or th- mm-hmm. that are involved in these kinds of sexual things. And they're not sure, but that's their suspicion. Yeah, yeah, and and perhaps not that it even has those aphrodisiac qualities, but just that the scent mm-hmm. reminds you of a person. Right. And so you're like, oh, sure. Right. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, human associations and food items, and we're, we're, just, we're just weird. Food scent is definitely an interesting category. I don't... I feel like there aren't too many other foods I can think of where we have used pigs and dogs <laughs> to find them. And if you've ever seen it, you should watch it. It's fascinating. They're just kind of rooting around. And because, again, they're underground. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I, not very deep underground. I right. mean, you know, like, I don't know, like six inches to a foot, maybe. A right. little less, perhaps. But, yeah. Um, and uh, But, yeah, it's it's really hard. Like, humans can't really smell that. 
So we've used animals that have been able to smell that. Or maybe secret electronics. Oh. Um, these days. But yeah, um, it, I mean, really, it's just like, it's just like, well, you could either dig up the soil around a bunch of tree roots or you can use an animal to do it. Right. Or you can find out which trees have them and then go back year after year, all secret-like. Yes, yes. And then that is when you want no one to know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking around as if so. I don't have any access to any truffles, okay? No. No, no. Neither of us do. We promise. And you can trust us. Yeah, we would not lie to you in regards to the truffles. <laughs> not in regards to the truffles. No, never. <laughs> Well, on that note, <laughs> we're about done with the topic of travels for today, but we do have a little bit more for you. But first, we've got one more quick break for a word from our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Discover Puerto Rico. We've talked in a bunch of different episodes about facets of Puerto Rican cuisine, um, like the dish mofongo, made of savory, deep-fried mashed plantains studded with some kind of tasty protein, and the creation of the cool, creamy pina colada. But there is so much more there. Um, I've actually never been. You have a tiny bit of experience, don't you? Yes. Unfortunately, it was a very tiny bit of experience. <laughs> I was there for about a day. I'm kicking myself for that now. I remember having delicious rums, delicious drinks. But I want to go back because, yeah, so many episodes we do on here, when we're talking about food from Puerto Rico, I want that. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> it sounds amazing. We're trying to get a savor team trip yeah. together. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> well, I mean, we're, we're trying to get a trip to a lot of places, but this is, yeah. this is really top of the list. Even putting together this ad read made me hungry. I was like, oh, oh, I want to try those things. Yeah, as we've talked about before, there are influences there from African and Spanish and native Taino foodways. The culinary scene sounds amazing, and we want to go, and I'm hungry. No Me passport too. is required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. You can learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. Today's episode is brought to you by Westholm. I'm a person who doesn't really cook with a lot of meat, to be honest, because when I do, I want it to be special. I'm the same, and I do love sharing that food with people. And I have to say, we received some product, some steak, mm -hmm. and I am very eager to share it with my friends. Yeah, uh, Westholm sent us uh, a few of their products, and they included these gorgeous, gigantic tomahawk steaks that I, like, opened the box and immediately sent a picture to my best grilling friend, like, hang out soon. Yes, I did too. <laughs> Westholm offers these beautifully marbled steaks because they have 16 million acres of rangeland across the northeast corner of Australia, from Brisbane to Darwin. They use a nature-led approach with the belief that if they balance the needs of their cattle with the needs of their environment, both can thrive. Their cattle graze on native grasses like Mitchell grass, which is found only in Australia, and roam wild, foraging at will for the first two to three years of their lives. The result is Wagyu beef that reflects the terroir of northern Australia, and a quality that would complement whatever you're into cooking right now. Westholm believes that when nature leads, flavor follows. Learn more at westholm.com slash savor. That's W-E-S-T-H-O-L-M-E dot -E com slash savor. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year 
Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. During the Right Rug Flooring Hello Summer Sale, you'll find savings throughout the store, all backed by the right price guarantee, including carpet with a lifetime stain warranty, only $159 installed with pad. That's right, $159 includes expert installation as soon as tomorrow. Visit rightrug.com, R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com to find a showroom near you or schedule a free in-home shopping appointment. Say hello to summer and save. Right Rug Flooring, right here, right now. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. And we're back with listener mail. Shuffle clap. <laughs> I was going to attempt to do like a pig sound, but then I was like, no. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's not good. <laughs> Even I've got to draw the line somewhere. Yeah. That is not an aphrodisiac. <laughs> well, 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 well. Anyway, <laughs> Bethany wrote... This morning, I was listening to the new episode of Stouts and Porters, and around minute nine, Annie talks about a visit to Woody's here in Atlanta, and you'll never believe where I happen to work. Woody's! Oh, what? Cool! Yes! I have been working at our new location in Buckhead since we opened back in October, and could you imagine my shock? I was standing in the middle of the kitchen when I heard your story about a man explaining how malt works, something even I still struggle with understanding. I had to run and show the owners and laugh out loud. Huh? This wouldn't be the first time you've mentioned a job of mine. Back when you were still food stuff, someone mentioned visiting Crawfish Seafood Shack. Oh, they're great. You used so to work good. there. So oh, good. gosh. Mm-hmm. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Since working on my degree, I've worked in food industry and learned so much through experiences. But having you guys give me some of the science behind the scenes feeds my nerdy little soul. Oh, That's yay. awesome. I didn't know there was a location in Buckhead. Yeah, me neither. I to go out and this visit that. This is new to me, right? Yes. Oh, gosh. Absolutely. Oh, field trip. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ellen wrote, I was thrilled to hear you talking about Alberta again in your pierogi episode. Of course, I had to Google it because I wasn't sure where it might be. I wasn't surprised to learn it's up north. There's a huge Ukrainian-Canadian population in that part of the province. I have a friend who lives in St. Paul who I visit every Labor Day long weekend. And they have a local rodeo that weekend. And there's usually a $5 pierogi lunch one day of the weekend. And the proceeds go to the local sports teams. I'm pretty sure they're all made and donated by the moms and grandmas of the town. I also wanted to tell you that not far from there, Vegreville, I hope I said that right, Vegreville, Alberta also has a giant Ukrainian Easter egg. It's pretty cool. I detoured to visit it my first trip out to visit my friend. This year, I'll have to go to Glendon to see the pierogi. Thanks for the podcast. I will try to remember to send you a picture of my dog with the pierogi, but September is a long way away. I can't promise anything. <laughs> oh, please do. Oh, that would be so good, though. Yes, yes. Uh, and also, Ellen wasn't the only one who wrote in about this, and she and some other listeners wrote in and told us that spelling pierogi with a Y is due to the Ukrainian heritage. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, the spelling in her email is P E R O G Y. Mhm. Hmm. Learning something new all the time. Spelling. Oh, yes. yes. Oof. Goodness, my gracious. <laughs> it's been a struggle this week. <laughs> People spelling things a lot of different ways, which can make researching a little difficult. Mhm. That's just one of the the pleasures of being in the podcasting world. Oh, 
Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Thanks to both of them for writing in. Mm-hmm. If you would like to write to us, you can. Our email is hello at saverpod.com. We're also on social media, and you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at saverpod. And we do hope to hear from you. Saver is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Thanks, as always, to our super producers, Dylan Fagan and Andrew Howard. Thanks to you for listening, and we hope that lots more good things are coming your way. Life in our modern age comes at you pretty fast, which makes our time away especially valuable. When I take time to relax, I like to get far from my everyday life, immerse myself in natural beauty, and have unique experiences. But you don't have to leave the U.S. to experience tropical rainforests and islands filled with adventure, warm culture, and national treasures. Visit Puerto Rico, an island with a vibrant spirit that will sweep you away. Because when you visit, you don't become part of the island, it becomes part of you. In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. Puerto Rico, where visits end, but stories last forever. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. During the Right Rug Flooring Hello Summer Sale, you'll find savings throughout the store, all backed by the right price guarantee, including carpet with a lifetime stain warranty, only $159 installed with pad. That's right, $159 includes expert installation as soon as tomorrow. Visit rightrug.com, R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com to find a showroom near you or schedule a free in-home shopping appointment. Say hello to summer and save. Right Rug Flooring, right here, right now. Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.